Jesus finished these words in Matthew 24, here's what Mark records. Jesus said, take heed, keep on the alert. You don't know when the appointed time is. It's like a man away on a journey who upon leaving his house and putting his slaves in charge, assigning to each one his task, also commanded the doorkeeper to stay on the alert. Therefore, be on the alert. For you do not know when the master of the house is coming, whether it's in the evening, at midnight, at cock crowing, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. What I say to you, I say to all, be on the alert. An obedient readiness, an alertness awaiting his return, that's what he calls for. You'll never be ready for his return if you haven't dealt with what he came for the first time. He came to die in your place. Welcome to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the Gospel of Matthew. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, Great Tribulation. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. Jesus speaks here of the Great Tribulation. Notice verse 21. Then there will be a great tribulation, such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever shall. Uh, he is describing this great tribulation in detail in the verses we're going to be looking at today. Uh, if I were to give you, in fact, I was uh, I, not teaching, I wouldn't say teaching the book of Revelation uh, the other day, but I was giving a, a summary of it, a quick sweep through it. And one reason people shy back from reading the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, is that the lion's share of Revelation speaks of this same period of time. From chapter 6 through 18, you have a description of this great tribulation. I think it's a seven-year period, and I mentioned that last week, from between when Christ comes for his own and when Christ comes with his own to judge and set things right, and the second coming is the close-off of the great tribulation when he returns, and we will see that as we look at it. There's good men who disagree with me. There's details that I don't think we should be dogmatic about, but I, I think that's important to see. And the Old Testament spoke of it as the time. Listen to this. Just keep Jesus' words there in verse 21 in mind, and listen to Jeremiah uh, when, when he... The Lord describes this time through one of his Hebrew prophets. He says, Alas, for that day is great. There's none like it. It is the time of Jacob's distress. But he will be saved from it. Israel, Jacob, it's the time of Israel's tribulation. But he will be saved by it. Uh, God isn't done with Israel. And so as we read Matthew 24, you might kind of keep those things in mind. It will be a time of unprecedented trouble uh, and tribulation and trial. But, uh, and I would say, by and large, the general tone will be anything but repentance. But within the midst of it, there will be many who turn to Christ. Just as today, you can see similarities between what Jesus called the beginning of birth pangs and the birth pangs. Why, what we see in the Great Tribulation, you can see it today. Uh, by and large, the tone isn't humility before God, but yet 
many of you have found peace, real peace, even in these last days. And uh, the door is still wide open to anyone and everyone who will turn to Christ. Well, now, Jesus was asked these questions. You know, when, when are these things going to happen and what will be the sign of your coming? And as I said, he gives the longest answer he, uh, in the New Testament to any question. And I'll just blitz through those first 14 verses because he gave seven signs uh, that will precede his return. Uh, he said there'll be false Christs, verse 4 and 5. There will be wars and rumors of wars, verse 6 and 7. There'll be famines, verse 7. Earthquakes, natural disasters. There will be persecution of real believers, uh, verse 9. And by the way, verse 8, he says these are just the beginning of birth pangs. I take it that might be where the transition occurs from the beginning of birth pangs to the real tribulation that Israel will go through. And then verses 11 through 13, apostasy of false believers. And then we left off verse 14, uh, or verse 13, I should say, the one who endures to the end, it is he who will be saved, the perseverance of real believers. Uh, when God does a work in your heart, he does an eternal work. And when you're born again, you can't be unborn. And so he says, we will persevere. And the one who perseveres will move on into the kingdom. And it's not that we're saved by our perseverance, but rather that uh, he causes his own to persevere. Uh, we left off with the worldwide proclamation of the gospel, verse 14. And uh, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world for a witness to all the nations, and then the end shall come. Uh, I believe it'll be done in normal means. There will be many believers during the great tribulation. Revelation 7 speaks of men and women from every tribe and tongue gathered, and John asks, just where are these from? And the angel answers the question, these are those who've been saved out of the great tribulation. And so they will bear witness, many of them with their blood, they will be martyred. But I also believe there will be supernatural means of evangelism. In fact, we looked at it in chapter 14 of Revelation, an angel comes down and preaches the eternal gospel. So God will see to it that the whole world is given a witness. Therefore, now our text, verse 15, therefore... When you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. And let him who's on the housetop not go down to get things out of that that are in the house, and let him who is in the field not turn back to get his cloak, but woe to those who are with child and to those who nurse babes in those days. Pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on a Sabbath. Then there will be a great tribulation, such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever shall. You, somebody asked me last week why I spoke of a seven-year period. Well, Daniel's great prophecy in Daniel chapter 9, he was given a great sweep of world history. 
ahead of time. And he was told that there would be seven periods of time, seven years, most Bible teachers feel, a, a week of years, if you will, that would conclude the time of Israel's history. In the meantime, he said there'll be a 70-week period, seven times 70, 490 years that God gave to Israel. But he said there'll be 69 of them, and then Messiah will be cut off. And if you take from when that's, he said, from when there's an issued, issuing of a decree to rebuild Jerusalem, there will be 69 years until Messiah will be cut off. It's an amazing prophecy. And 483 years after Artaxerxes issued the decree to rebuild Jerusalem, about A.D. 30, uh, and there's a little confusion. Sometimes people wonder about it because the calendar time, uh, the different calendars that happened at the time of our Lord's birth, he wasn't born at year zero as such uh, because the calendars were switching over at that point. But 483 years later, Messiah is cut off, and the 70th week of Daniel is that final seven-year period when Israel will once again be dealt with by God directly. In between those times, between Christ's first coming and second coming, this whole church age is never really mentioned in the Old Testament, the time between his first coming and his second coming, with any kind of detail. We live in this time when we, we can see it's been already 2,000 years since uh, Jesus left, and he said, I'll be back, I'll be back, and he will. So uh, Daniel says that right in the middle of that seven years, there will be this point when this man of sin, the Antichrist, will break his covenant with Israel. He'll set up some sort of a peace treaty with Israel to protect the nation. And three and a half years into that seven years, he will break the treaty. Now, I know these kinds of things can sound almost, you go, where do you get all this? Well, actually, Daniel speaks of it and gives that time frame. Turn over to Revelation just for a second. Revelation picks right back up on it, and I want you to look at Revelation 11 and uh, 12. So turn there, and I'll just show you a couple, three, or more than that, really. He repeatedly speaks of it. This seven-year period is divided into two halves. And the abomination of desolation that Jesus spoke of is that, that, and he said that Daniel spoke of, is this midpoint when the, this abominable one breaks his covenant with Israel and all hell breaks loose, so to speak. The great tribulation for the last 42 months. Revelation 11, verse 2. Leave out the court which is outside the temple. Don't measure it, for it has been given to the nations, and they will tread underfoot the holy city for 42 months, three and a half years. And I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1,260 days. Biblical times, months were thought of, the moon, you know, as a 30-day period. A year was thought of as 360. The Bible speaks of 360-day years, and so... 1,260 days is exactly three and a half uh, years, or as he said, 42 months, 
Turn over to chapter 12, and you'll see him refer to it again. When, she speaks, when he speaks of this woman, Israel, giving birth to a son, verse 5, she gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. That's how the Old Testament and the book of Revelation speak of it sometimes. This child who will rule with a rod of iron was caught up. Well, we know Jesus has left. He, he ascended to heaven. And the woman, verse 6, fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God so that there she might be nourished for 1,260 days. Israel brought forth this Savior. He was caught up, and the Bible doesn't even mention these 2,000 years. It just says, then she will flee into the wilderness and be nurtured for the 42 months or the 1,260 days. Uh, 13, verse 5, this arrogant beast, the Antichrist, is given a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies and authority to act for 42 months was given to him. Uh, in a 30-minute time, we can't begin to go into those in any kind of detail, but I say uh, there's good reason to expect that this seven-year period will be this intense time of tribulation and distress for Israel. And in the midpoint, there will be this... Now, turn back to Matthew and just let Jesus' words guide us. There will be this abomination of desolation. When you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, and apparently he's going to defile the temple as he breaks his covenant with Israel. He says, let the reader understand. Now, whether those were Jesus' words, because this is Jesus speaking, or Matthew, under the inspiration of the Spirit, saying, you who are reading this, understand, I don't really know. I wouldn't be surprised it was Jesus knowing that he's going to have this recorded and written down. Either way, you and I and those who live in that great time of tribulation flee. You know, he says, when you see that, when that happens, it won't be, it's not in the past, it's in the future. When you see that, he says, flee. Let, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are on the housetop not go down to get things out of that there in the house. Let him who's in the field not turn back to get his cloak. Woe to those with child. It's a very sobering statement of fleeing and getting out of there. And Revelation speaks of them fleeing into the wilderness and having a special protection for 1260 days. Then there will be, he says, verse 21, a great tribulation such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever shall. We've seen awful things in this age, but the final judgment that's going to occur, no wonder people sometimes don't like to read Revelation. It is a sobering time of unprecedented judgment. And unless, verse 22, Jesus says, those days have been cut short, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the chosen, for the sake of the elect, those days shall be cut short. Somebody says, what do you mean by that? And I say, I don't know for sure. There have been speculation about it. There's been different thoughts that maybe... Uh, 
it's just the, the days not extending as long as they would if the Lord didn't stop them. Uh, some have thought, well, maybe it's the 360-day biblical prophecy year versus 365 days. Uh, perhaps the simplest way to think of it uh, is that maybe the Lord will shorten the days during that time. There are several times in the book of Revelation when darkness, supernatural darkness, comes in. And that would be one way for him to protect his own and bring further judgment on those. But he says, then if anyone says to you, behold, here's the Christ, or there he is, don't believe him. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Behold, I've told you in advance. If therefore they say to you, behold, he is in the wilderness, don't go forth. Or behold, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe them. Uh, Believers during that intense time of persecution where many, most, will lose their life, they will be looking for the return of Christ. Oh, come back. And he says, Satan will continue his deceptive ways to the bitter end. There will be false Christs arising, and there will be people saying, he's over here, he's over there. He says, don't worry. When he gets back, look at verse 27. Just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes even to the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. When Jesus Christ returns and his foot touches down on the Mount of Olives, Zechariah said, everyone will see it. Uh, Turn over to Revelation 1. Revelation 1. John begins his revelation by saying, verse 7, Quoting from Zechariah, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. Even so, amen. You won't need to be told when he returns. It will be clear. Everyone will see who he is. And now turn to Jesus' words again. He says, wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. But immediately, don't miss this, verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, the powers of the heavens will be shaken, Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. Then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. When Christ returns, there'll be a reordering of everything, the sun, the moon, everything, and he will gather out his own. And keep that fresh in your mind, what Jesus said. And now turn to Revelation 19. John writes, verse 11, I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, 
And he who sat upon it is called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. And his eyes are a flame of fire, and upon his head are many diadems. And he has a name written upon him which no one knows except himself. And he's clothed with a a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may smite the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. And he will tread the winepress of the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord lords. I think it's good to regularly read these passages and realize that God has said, and he means every word of it, that when he returns, this is what it will be like. And I didn't manage the clock very well, but I want to say to us, what should be our response? Listen to these words, and I'm going to turn to the shorter statement of it in Mark, just for brevity. But when Jesus finished these words in Matthew 24, here's what Mark records. Jesus said, take heed, keep on the alert. You don't know when the appointed time is. It's like a man away on a journey who upon him leaving his house and putting his slaves in charge, assigning to each one his task, also commanded the doorkeeper to stay on the alert. Therefore, be on the alert. For you do not know when the master of the house is coming, whether it's in the evening, at midnight, at cock crowing, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. What I say to you, I say to all, be on the alert. An obedient readiness, an alertness awaiting his return, that's what he calls for. And I want to close by saying this, you'll never be ready for his return If you haven't dealt with what he came for the first time, he came to die in your place. And when you put your faith in him, you can then embrace the fact that he will return and you won't face your sins. He dealt with your sins back here. If you spurn him and if you live like most people do today, just ignoring him, then the thought of him returning is terror indeed. But the Bible closes with him coming back for his own and with his own. And the most famous verse in the Bible is John 3.16 probably. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but has eternal life. He goes on and says, because God didn't send the son into the world to judge the world. But that the world might be saved. Today, if you hear his voice, you can call out to him and be saved, and then look ahead with joy and anticipation to the fact that he's in charge of history. You've been listening to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, Great Tribulation, a message from our study of the Gospel of Matthew. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today, or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to abideintheword.us. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. 
If you've ever wanted Pastor Scott's sermon library in the palm of your hand, we have a new app available called the Abide app. It's available in both the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store. Along with the sermon library, you'll also find Scott's written publications, biblical seminars on a variety of subjects, daily devotional videos, this radio program, and the Abide Method, a monthly Bible reading and writing plan developed by Scott to give you the opportunity to read and write out Scripture. These resources all come free within the app, so if you're looking to deepen your relationship with Christ, please consider downloading the Abide app in either the Apple or Google App Stores. If you don't have a church home in the area, Pastor Scott would love to invite you to join us in person for our Sunday worship services at Southwest Bible Church. That's each Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 a.m. at the church located at the corner of Southwest Murray and Weir Road in Beaverton. You can go to our website at swbible.org for more details. We hope to see you there. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. The coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah before God brought judgment at the flood. And I won't take, in fact, we don't have the time, so I can't take the time. But I will tell you that his great emphasis is to be ready. And wherever you read of Jesus' return, it's, you know, I've been looking at that word Advent as we're coming on to the coming of Christ as we celebrate Christmas. The arrival, the coming, the anticipation of his coming. Well, we often speak of his second advent, and we're to be eagerly anticipating his return and ready in the sense of living lives that please him, trusting in what he did the first time on the cross, and then giving our lives to him and devoting our time and energy to him until he returns. Join us again next time as we continue in our study of the Gospel of Matthew. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, Be Ready. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.